Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. And we are your hosts. I am Greg Knott. I am Darren Laners. I'm Todd Creason. And I'm Bill Hosler. We are thankful everybody is listening with us today. And, of course, we always appreciate all of you. We have a very special guest today and a well-known voice within the Masonic podcast world. And that is Brother Maynard Edwards who is from the Washington, D.C. area. And Maynard, thank you and uh, welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. Well, if this is exciting, you guys need to get out more. I mean, I know we've been under lockdown for a little while here in the country, but I mean, if talking to me is exciting, you got to get out of the house a lot quicker, brother. Thank you, brother, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm trying. I, I live on the farm and, you know, there's not a lot of out here except when I look at the chickens and the dog. When we hear a new voice like you, it is exciting. In all seriousness, we, we do appreciate you joining us. And if you can, why don't you just share with us a little bit about your background and your Masonic journey? Sure. I am a Maryland Mason. Uh, I'm actually from the uh, Baltimore area proper, just north of Baltimore. And I guess uh, around 2009 or 10, I was kind of like a lot of guys, you know, you get to that that age in life where, you know, my, my son at that point was five or six years old. Uh, my uh, first daughter had just been born and, you know, kind of started looking for something a little bigger than myself to be a part of. And uh, I'm a little bit of a, a history student. And I looked at all the the greatest leaders in history because I thought, you know, I wanted to be of service in my community. And I, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college as a younger person. I, I got out of high school and ended up working on the radio. I was very fortunate to be successful in that field for a long time. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd been on the air about 16, 17 years at that point. And I started, you know, looking for something else. I, and I said I hadn't gone to college. And I, I knew that if I wanted to lead and serve in my community, I was going to need some kind of training. So looking out at the field of leaders that I admired through history, I noticed that common thread of Freemasonry. And I uh, contacted a local lodge. And uh, I am uh, currently still in that lodge. And in fact, my mother lodge is an extremely busy lodge. I've been in line for eight years. And I'll, uh, if I'm duly elected, I'll be the master of that lodge next year. But I am a past master of another lodge, which is a uh, fairly complicated story. But uh, I became a Scottish Rite Mason in 2012, and then I uh, in the Valley of Baltimore, and I helped uh, the following year. I was the uh, the first senior warden of the Susquehanna Valley, so I'm a charter member there. And I'm a York Rite Mason, although I, I will confess I'm not terribly active in the York Rite right now, just uh, based on schedule and logistics and things like that. But still a proud York Rite Mason. And I started working uh, with the Scottish Rite and doing a podcast around 2014 or so with a chance meeting at, the, at one of our Valley meetings with our uh, director of membership services. I guess that's uh, that's pretty well about here. Here we are. And then it was 2020. We were all under quarantine and I was on the air with you guys. And what a way to end the quarantine or hopefully coming <laughs> soon. Let me ask you, the podcast world has really exploded in the last yes. five, seven years. And I have been a radio junkie all my life. Growing up out in the country, we never had, of course, internet or cable or anything like that. So at late night, I would listen to WLS out of Chicago or those big power AM stations. So I just, I loved radio. I still love it to this day. I love that we are now able to use this platform. But how has podcasting maybe evolved and, and how is it reaching Masons or just people in general with a message or a communication or keeping people informed? Well, I think it really has more to do with the on-demand nature of it and the on-demand nature of our society at this point, which I think is why uh, 
the COVID-19 crisis has been so tremendously challenging for so many of us uh, is that we do live in such an on-demand culture. You know, I remember when I got a TiVo and suddenly I didn't have to be home to watch Seinfeld. Like it was being recorded for me. So I'm no longer chained to this schedule of entertainment. I can get that entertainment when I want it and when I when I have the time to partake in it as opposed to if, our, if you're not at home at 8 o'clock on Thursday night and you miss the Cosby show and what everybody's talking about tomorrow, you're missing out culturally. So I think we've gotten away from that. And I think podcasting has allowed Masons to involve themselves or engage themselves in Masonry when they're driving, when they're mowing the lawn. In fact, I make a concerted effort to make the Tyler's Place podcast from the very beginning. One of the things in radio that you study a lot is how long people are in their cars. And the average commute in, in America is something that a radio person has in their head at all the time, right? Now, that average commute time is about 28 minutes. And so I try and make sure the Tyler's Place podcast is always about 28 minutes so that I know that a person can get in the car, hit play, and by the time they get to work or they get home from work, they've listened to an entire episode. And that, that's sort of been the mantra all along. Now, that was the beginning and things have shifted a little bit. Listening habits and podcasts are different. But I think that providing people with that on-demand level of engagement has been really a key thing, especially to getting guys who are not necessarily... Uh, going to sit down with a book and pour over the details of some writing from 200 years ago to give them some points in Freemasonry they might miss otherwise. You are so spot on with that commute time because I have a number of times popped you in, driving, leaving here, and I by the time I park, get to my building on a, on a university campus, that's about 28 minutes, and I have listened to you. And what I enjoy about your podcast is, you know, you typically come out with some information. You might have a guest. You'll have Art DeHoyas with some trivia or some facts, And it, but it's very evenly fast-paced. I don't know if that's a good description of it or not, but I like the pace of it. It's, it's not slow. It's not fast, but yet it's just right. You're going from this to this to this, talking about what's happening in the Scottish Rite and the Southern Jurisdiction and other places. And I just find it extremely informative. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I do most of the work, but there are a lot of folks who do help out with it uh, behind the scenes. And one of the things we do try and do is make sure that every episode does move with some, you know, with some speed to it, just so that in the radio business, again, I, I liken everything back to that. So if I do it too much, you can make me put a dollar in the jar or something like that. But you have to keep moving and keep things going so that by the time the audience attention span starts to wane, you're on to something else and, and you're getting them uh, hooked back in. If you watch TV news at night, one of the things that you'll notice is that about every 15 to 20 seconds, they're changing camera angles. And the reason they're doing that is that it's a subtle reset on the attention span to make sure that they're keeping the viewers engaged. Well, in the studies in, in what I do and what we do in podcasting and radio is that about three to five minutes on the same topic before people's attention span starts to dip a little bit. And then you have to kind of morph into something else or change the discussion in some way, shape or form. Or you're going to start to have people's attention span start to soften on you. And, and I try really hard to, to keep it moving and, and keep things going. And so they don't tune me out. It's just my, my ultimate fear. Maynard, you're involved with the Master Craftsman's program uh, that the Southern Masonic Jurisdiction has launched. Know what the program is about. Absolutely. Can, can you tell our listeners, uh, for those of us who are NMJ members like myself, Greg, and Todd, kind of what uh, the Master Craftsman program involves and how it benefits uh, the brothers who take it? 
Absolutely. Um, first of all, my involvement with it is, uh, and, and um, the, the opinions I express are mine alone and not necessarily the House or staff management of the House or Temple Supreme Council or anybody else. It's just Maynard. But my involvement with Master Craftsman has been in the last several months. I have helped put the program online. Um, it is Art de Hoyas, uh pretty well wrote and put the whole thing together. And it's based on a several different uh, Scottish Rite texts. And it, it basically will give a Mason, a good jumping off point in Masonic education. You know, not every single person, again, as I said, not every single Mason is going to do a deep dive into Masonic literature over the past 300 years. Uh, a lot of folks just, you know, want some basics to be able to operate with and maybe, you know, generate some interest into something else that will spur them to study more or explore more in the Scottish Rite or into Freemasonry in general. And the Master Craftsman Program is a correspondence course. So, you're given a reading assignment, and then there's a quiz and an essay to go along with that assignment. And currently, there are three different courses. There is the Ritual and History course, which focuses on the different bodies of the Scottish Rite in the Southern Jurisdiction and some other aspects of Scottish Rite Ritual and History. Then there's the Craft Lodge program, which is based off of Albert Pike's uh, Esoterica book which was uh, published about four, maybe five years ago. And that it focuses a lot on some of the uh, the deeper symbols and meanings in, in Blue Lodge. And then there is the Scottish Rite philosophy, which is a big mama. It is a huge course. Uh, it's a big three ring binder with a lot of quizzes in it. And you go through and there's reading assignments on each and every degree. And it basically goes through every single degree. And there's a reading assignment from Scottish Rite Ritual Monitor and Guide and uh, Morals and Dogma, of course. And you go through and you do the reading assignments and then you take the quiz and, and you do the essays. And then the quizzes and essays are graded actually in-house at the House of the Temple by Scottish Rite Masons. You know, I grade some, Art de Hoyas grades some, uh, Admiral Bill Sizemore grades some, the Grand Commander may grade some. And so actual Scottish Rite Masons are taking a look at these things. In the last, uh, just in the last two weeks, we've put that program online, a part of it anyway. We were planning on doing it throughout the course of the year, but obviously the COVID-19 crisis and the, the, the demand to put content online ratcheted that up. So Ritual and History is currently available online, and our next task will be to make uh, the Craft Lodge or Symbolic Lodge program uh, online, hopefully uh, by the end of June, but uh, get the, uh, the bugs and all those things worked out of it. But it's fantastic, and it's a great jumping off point for someone who's wanting to know more and get more out of the Scottish Rite and out of masonry in general. Maynard, basically, you know, I was going to say, you kind of took the wind out of my sails because I'm currently doing the Master Craftsman Program. I've completed the first course, and I'm currently on the second. And I've been doing it for about a year and a half, and the first one I did, and for those of you who haven't taken it, I encourage every Scottish Rite Mason to actually take it, and especially the first one because it deals with the Blue Lodge and Esoterica. And it doesn't matter where you're a Mason in the United States, or probably anywhere in the world. It's a great thing, and you're going to learn something that you can use. I've had a little issue with the second one because at the same time, and I don't know if you've known this, but I've lost most of my eyesight. And so I haven't been able to read printed words on paper or a book for like the last couple of years. And I'm really glad to hear that, that you guys are putting this online. I was, that was going to be my question because I know that they've talked about it for the last couple of years. In fact, I keep getting these, I don't know if it was Dean Alban, the membership chairman or somebody keeps sending out these surveys. says, hey, would you like to have this online and put some comments down? And finally, I says, you know what? You guys have been saying this for a couple of years. Do it. And so I don't know if that's what, I don't know. I was wondering I didn't get my card taken away from me for that. I'm really glad and I hope that you guys will tell me you know, how I can get access to this because I really think it's a great thing. 
Sure. Are you or which which version? So you've taken symbolic lodge, and you're you're taking now, or yeah, you'd I, like I, to I, take ritual and history? No, is that I, what you're whichever, doing? Or, or the you're one the one with philosophy? the um, bridge to light and the actual ritual. I don't remember what the name of that one is. It's ritual and history. So what you can do is I can send you a link. You can switch over to that. And you can switch over to the online version midstream. It's it's not hard at all to it's the exact same information. And the reason behind the the switch uh, or the the time it took to make it an online course was uh, really because protecting the integrity of the course was the important thing. And there was a, for for quite some time there was some concern that people were going to rush through and just check the boxes. On, in an online format and not really read and not really study. And so we looked at a bunch of different ways to do it. And what ultimately has happened is to preserve the integrity of the course, the first quiz, when you download it, if you purchase it, you will receive the first quiz in electronic format. And you also receive the first reading assignment in electronic format. But you will still need to get the Scottish Rite Ritual Monitoring Guide and Bridge to Light. And those, you know, if you order them online, it takes about three to five days, generally speaking, to get to you. And so the thinking is that you can use that digitized version of that, that first introductory portion to do quiz number one and get started. And then by the time uh, the books have arrived, you know, you should be kind of finishing it up. So we've sort of split the baby in half. The integrity of the course is exactly the same. It's just you're using an online form to email the courses back and forth as opposed to having to wait for something to be mailed. The multiple choice part is scored instantaneously. And the only thing that you wait for at this point is for one of us to review the essay that is required at the end. And so even that is going to be much, much faster because it'll be an email. So we'll get an email, we'll read your essay and say, hey, great essay, or hey, uh, did you actually even read this and uh, and send it back to you? In that way, we've managed to preserve the integrity of the course. And I really have to credit Art DeHoyas for coming up with that and, and making it so that we were protecting the course and making sure it wasn't something folks were going to run through, but still eliminating that lag time between mailing things back and forth, which is you know, it's frustrating, especially at Christmas time. We shut down for four or five days and, and uh, at the end of the year and somebody mails in a quiz and now they're waiting an extra week and we get back. January is always slow. So we've sort of gotten rid of that. But there are people who still want to do it on paper uh, just because that's more comfortable for them. So both versions are still available. And uh, if you want to switch over, you can switch and it's totally fine. Maynard, is there any discussion at all about maybe one day trying an instructor-led type course? Our uh, is in terms of uh, something at the House of the Temple, not to my knowledge. That's not a no. That's a not to my knowledge. We do encourage instruction and uh, master craftsman instruction in and at the valley level. So valleys often hold master craftsman classes uh, all over the place. And some of them are even doing them via Zoom right now where... Uh, you know, 10 guys will get together. One guy will lead the, the class in a discussion about whatever quiz it is that they're working on. And they'll kind of work through the quizzes together. And that's gone on quite a bit. So it hasn't happened at the Supreme Council level. And that's to my knowledge, uh, not on the deck for right now, but it's certainly something they may be looking at. That's, you know, the, the education department, they, they're constantly coming up with new ideas and new things. So I can't speak to what they will or won't do in the next couple of months. The four of us, and I think, Bill, you're still a, a Northern Masonic Jurisdiction member, at least you were, there is such a rich history, both in the North and the South, but yet they're distinctly different. And I actually think it's a good thing that they're different, yet 
they still serve the same purpose, and that is really to improve your knowledge, to improve the individual man. What is your, I don't know how much familiarity you have with the North, but what, what do you see as the, the key differences between the Northern and Southern jurisdiction? Well, I don't think in terms of differences, generally speaking, I think that one, we're all brothers and we're all Scottish Rite brothers. And I think that's a great thing. I think that the differences are, and, and this is not meant to sound uh, insulting to anyone in any way, but you know, they're more semantical than anything else. I think for the most part, the idea is to expand on the teachings of Freemasonry, to deepen your knowledge as a man, as a community member, as a father, as a friend, as a husband, as you know, in all the different avenues in life. And, and I think they both have the same goal, maybe slightly different styles in, in terms of their approach, but I think they're both excellent. Uh, my familiarity with the North is somewhat limited, uh, just based on my personal experience. But what I've seen is is wonderful. And uh, I think that anything that's going to come into any man's life that's going to enrich it in some way is fantastic. And I think both organizations do such a great job of that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the semantical differences at this point are, are merely that. I don't look at it as being really a division, uh, you know, where one's better than the other, or my karate is better than your karate type of thing. It's it's not like that. It's uh, it's all about enriching everyone's lives, and I think they both do a great job. Are you familiar with the, the Masonic Northern Jurisdiction's new campaign, Not Just a Man, a Mason? And has sure. the Southern Jurisdiction, have they utilized that? It seems to me, I, I think it's a great thing to bring attention to Freemasonry. And I just to go back on what you just said, really, it's lack. It's really not so much differences as it is just two organizations, but still all Scottish Rite brothers. But yet I find that campaign is, has been a very cool way to unite brethren under one branding theme. Well, and I think that was their goal. Uh, again, I can't speak to what their exact uh, motivations were with regard to that. But I will say that both the Northern and Southern jurisdiction, along with Shriners International, have teamed up for BeAFreemason.com and I think it's .com and .org, actually. And that's sort of all three groups coming together to provide you know, what, what they call a front door to masonry. And that is so that when someone is just wakes up one morning and says, you know, I really like to be a Freemason. How do I go about that? And they they go to Google or wherever they decide to look that there's a single resource that is accredited that can then direct them to a Grand Lodge. And all three appendant bodies have teamed up on and working for that. It's It's been pretty successful so far. I can only speak anecdotally. I can't speak to the uh, to numbers or anything, but I do know that many Grand Lodges around the country are using it and seem pretty pleased with it. So I think that's been a, a great thing. And it's it's just an example of a rising tide raising all ships. And, and uh, with all of us working together as brothers in, in sort of a unified manner, it's going to be a good thing for the craft as a whole. So and be a Freemason. Uh, that website uses a lot of the imagery and a lot of the uh, the same advertising uh, images that they used and branding that they used for the not just a man a Mason campaign. Maynard, it's pr- I think it's pretty well known that the Tyler's chair that sits outside the main lodge room there in the house of the temple has a wonderful phrase on it. It's know thyself. So did that go into? helping you name the the Tyler's Place podcast or how did how did the name or how did the podcast itself kind of come about uh, I will tell you, I take zero credit for it. I am terrible at naming anything. I have named uh, only one of my children. The rest have been uh, the credit to their mothers. Every band I've ever been in, I truly don't care what it's been called. 
I just, I'm just not good at that. Brother Dean Alban came up with that. Uh, I don't believe he had any anything in mind other than we were just trying to come up with a name and that one happened to pique his attention. And somehow, I don't know, maybe he was in a lodge and Master said, we're at the Tyler's place. And he said, boom, that's it. But no, I, I did not name it. Uh, I agreed to it. And, and he, but we bounced names back and forth for weeks before we came up with it. I think originally I wanted to call it Wisdom, Strength and Beauty and wanted to do three segments in each portion of the podcast with uh, the first one was going to be about wisdom and get into some, you know, esoteric stuff. And strength was going to be about current events in the craft and beauty was going to be about, you know, history or some other thing. And that was my original idea for it. And Tyler's place just sounded so much better. That's what we went with. One of the things, you know, I like about the, about the Tyler's Place, it seems like a lot of Masonic podcasts, and I'm not knocking anyone because they're all great, but they all seem to kind of follow the same template. We read Masonic things or they do an interviews, but yours, when it came out, was really different than the rest. You had interviews, but you also, you had Masonic news, like the hurricane hit Puerto Rico. You actually had brothers on the ground there and you discussed the situation you talked about what the brothers needs were and what things that the grand lodge of puerto rico needed and what the scottish right of puerto rico needed and how that you could get the goods to them and what kind of things that they needed and the monetary things and then the money that you could get to them through the masonic service organization or you even talked once about this hanukkah and what Masons do who um, celebrate Hanukkah versus the typical well, majority of us who, here in this country who are Christians. And you talk to World War II veterans. It's just really so neat because it just spans the thing. And, and all of them have the Masonic tie to them. But to each one are just so different. And some of them, I mean, who else gets to talk to Carl per- Perkins' um, uh, son about Masonry? It's just it's so it's so interesting. And But it all ties in Masonically. But it's news. It's interests, uh, you know, Masonic interests. And you get a really well Rounded experience versus you know just listening to somebody read a, a text or a book or something, and that's what I like about it. Not only is it fast paced, but it kind of gives you a little information, and then, then art comes on, and it makes me feel stupid, and then it's over. <laughs> well, art does that to everybody. <laughs> He's on another level from the rest of us, but he's a wonderful, wonderful guy and one of my truly uh, wonderful mentor, but also a very good friend. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, he speaks Japanese and can Dutch. fly. I Dutch. mean, but it's just amazing the things that he, yeah. you know, but you, it's just, you kind of really set the Masonic podcasts on your ear when they came out with it. And it's great. I mean, it's just, it, you know, we continue to evolve and, you know, I just think it's wonderful and hopefully we can do the same thing, but doubtful. I just really think it's great. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I, I'm I'm glad my mom paid you to say all of that. It's uh, she's uh, she's been good that way my whole life. But thank you very much. You're very you're too kind. I will only say that all I bring to it is is programming experience that I've had just from years of of doing it in a commercial situation. And these big media companies they pay lots and lots of money to find out what works and what doesn't work. So generally speaking, when they say hey you should try this, that's the way to go about things. And so I kind of brought that sensibility to it and. I also wanted to make sure that the content we were creating was original for the most part. So it's not, and that's not to take away from anybody who's reading and dissecting something else, because I think that that stuff is great. And I, that's the stuff that I listen to myself. I wanted to make sure that uh, one, that there's an avenue to share the stories of, of important Masons throughout, because there's more to Masonry than George Washington. You know, we've told that story a bunch. And I've told it myself a bunch of times, but you know, God bless him. Uh, w- there's more to Freemasonry in America than George Washington. And guys like Carl Perkins, where you don't realize that he's a Freemason and to find out about him and, and what he was involved in. 
I'm a rock and roll guitar player. And so Carl Perkins is someone I idolize on a couple of different levels. Carl Perkins, once he got sober in the late 60s, he and Johnny Cash got sober together. And one of his big things was fighting against child abuse. And he spent a bunch of time and money opening the first centers against child abuse in the country. And, and that was something he was really proud of. And so knowing that he's a Scottish Rite Mason and, and hearing something like that about the man that takes him to another level beyond just being a guitar player, I think that's of interest to, to just about anybody. And those are the stories that I look for because I think a lot of people aren't aware of those things. But I also do want to make sure that we do get into those uh, esoteric things. Brother Mark Oldno for the last, I guess, about year and a half has been doing a segment on the on the show where he gets into some really deep esoteric things. And I've actually started, we're going to give him kind of his own little spinoff show called Circumambulations, uh, which we're going to uh, be, you know, kind of the uh, Tyler's Place podcast network, if you will. And Mark, uh, for folks who do like that deep dive into symbolism and esoterica, Mark can give you that in a way that very few other people can. And so I'm really glad to be able to showcase that. So and then to be able to showcase voices like Art DeHoyas or Brent Morris, I'm very privileged to be able to do it. So the show is Again, it's just about bringing that commercial sensibility into the podcast world. And, you know, I don't know how different it is from anything else. I just kind of do what I do. And uh, I like a lot of what people do. I love the conversations between Mason. I did an article in the uh, Scottish Rite Journal, I guess it was last year, the year before, about uh, several different podcasts that were highlighted. And, uh, you know, I just think there's so much stuff out there that people, oh, is that a competitor? No, there's no competition. There's there's enough time. There's enough room for everybody. There's, There's no shortage of uh, time and energy on the internet that there's always going to be an audience for something like this. And I, and I think that's fantastic. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoy my show, but there's so many great shows out there and I'm, I'm, I'm glad of that. I'm glad there's so many options for brothers to be able to, uh, to get more out of masonry. I've said if there was ever a time to be a Freemason, it's now. I personally think this is the golden age of Freemasonry to come. And I say that with the context of Maynard, just what you were talking about about the numerous podcasts and all the educational opportunities that we've already touched base on here. And the beauty of it is not only can you read things, but the interaction from brother to brother that social media and the podcasts and all the things in Able, I think is exciting. If I had been a Mason 50 years ago, my radius of Masons that I would have known probably would have been the valley I'm in, which is kind of east, east central Illinois area, and that's about it. But because of all the things in Facebook and, and et cetera, I know Masons from all over the country. And that, to me, is exciting. And that is just one of the biggest benefits of membership is knowing brothers from all over the country, enjoying their different perspectives, because that's what I like most is I don't want everybody to think like me. I want to know what they want to think. I want to learn from them. And all of these things that we've touched on just enable that and just make it all the better. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think for the most part, social media has been a great thing for the craft. I say for the most part, because I do see what I would qualify as, uh, as some petty picks and quarrels about things. You know, well, there's the constant, which way do you, if you wear your ring this way, you're not a real Mason. Well, you know, I, I'm pretty well done with that conversation. And the other one that, that I, I tend to get agitated by is the, oh, if you're a one day Mason, you're not a real Mason. I, I think that's unfair. To, to brothers who took their obligation. And if whether you took your obligation over a period of six months or whether you took it all in one day, uh, it's about the man. It's about uh, not about how he got there. And and I say that my, my experience as a Mason was part one day and part 
not one day. So I was entered uh, as a, went through the initiation process in Maryland. But then I was passed and raised on the same day with 300 other guys. So, and I've seen it done the other way where 300 guys were entered and then they were passed and raised individually. And so I think it's always about the guy. It's always about the guy and his experience and not only what he brings to it, but what his lodge provides for him as officers in a lodge or as experienced brothers. We owe it to those new guys coming in of however they got there, whether they came in as blue lightning or whether they came in and took them six months. We owe them the same experience. We owe them to make them feel included, to make them understand the teachings of masonry, to try and embrace the idea of brotherhood. And and when I see people having those discussions, oh, this guy's not a real mason, that's that guy's not a real mason. Well, to me, anybody who is discussing ways to divide things is not a real Mason because Masonry is not about division. It's about finding harmony. And so as opposed to looking for a way to say, oh, this guy's not real because he's wearing his ring the wrong way, but that guy's not real because he doesn't have a G inside the square and compass. We should be looking for the things that unite us rather than divide us in all of life, but Masons in particular. And I, I think we owe it to ourselves to even when on social media and we're having these these arguments about things to hold ourselves to that higher standard of unity and of harmony, even if we're not in a lodge right then and there. Masonry pretty much shut down with the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've discovered during that time all these really cool tools during our hiatus. When we finally all come back together, do you think that uh, masonry will be different in any way as a result? Absolutely. And I think it's going to be for the better. I have to credit Scottish Rite Valley secretaries across the country. I have to credit so many uh, worshipful masters across the country who have embraced online technology in an instant. Guys who previously didn't have a whole lot of patience for online meetings are now coming to these things in droves and not only using them, but really enjoying them and expanding the reach of their lodges and valleys. Just uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and, I, and they've been doing this every other Tuesday, the uh, the Valley of Washington in the Orient of the District of Columbia had a meeting and there were over 160 guys on the line. They had guys from Germany and Argentina on because that valley, you know, people come and they're in Washington, D.C. for a couple of years. They join the Valley and they they stay members. But when they return to wherever they live, whether it's Germany or, or Argentina, they stay members and they want to stay attached. So they continue to pay their dues and they become sojourners and they don't really get to interact so much, but they get their Scottish Rite Journal and they get their little magazine from the from D.C. once a year. But now they can actually be a part of meetings. And the SGIG of D.C., has already said, even after this crisis ends and the temple doors are reopened, we're still going to do these meetings every month for these guys because we can do this and we can see that it works. And Valley secretaries across the country have embraced that and started meetings. And I really have to credit them. I think they really uh, have stepped up. So I would disagree with you that, that masonry has stopped. I think lodges are closed. But I don't think masonry has stopped. I think masonry has actually increased. My lodge normally on a regular night gets around 30 guys on the sidelines, which is great. It's great. That's a great attendance for most lodges. But at these online meetings, we've got 75 guys coming on for a blue lodge meeting. And that's fantastic. So I think that it's going to be around for a while. And, and I'm glad of that. I think it's a great thing. Masons have always been innovators. We were the first ones to have a secure network. We secured things with a handshake and with a with a secret password. And it's time we got back to being innovators again. And I think we are. And I, I think it's fantastic. I totally agree with you about modern technology. We've been talking about that for the last few weeks. And I think you're absolutely right. And the Southern jurisdiction, well, I guess both jurisdictions have been pretty progressive in advancing technology, not only 
the lessons online for the different master craftsmen and the other women in Man on the J. They've even been putting like biannual sessions, and now I've been on for several t- um, several times. I've been online, so you can watch them, and I watch them every time. I always feel like it's a great thing because I, otherwise, I'll never be able to make it to one. And I find the menace interesting. And then we have the the telethon every year for the House of the Temple and the local dyslexia centers and other Scottish Rite charities is we've been doing a lot of things and we you're right we absolutely are very progressive in a lot of ways and i just wanted to also let you know that the person who started uh, points in and points out argument was todd creason so he's the one you have to blame on this (laughs) maynard i'm an area education officer for the grand lodge of illinois for the eastern area and obviously education is very important to me and i know it's important to you why should masonry in general focus more or try to incorporate more masonic education it's a fantastic question and i want to just say well because duh but what i will say instead is that you you become a mason and i think that everybody comes at this a little bit differently and gets into this for different reasons but i think each of us needs to have a base of knowledge from which to operate i don't need to walk around every day and spout off that christopher columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492 i don't need to to discuss that every day but i need to have that base of knowledge in order to exist in the world we know today and i think as masons we owe it to ourselves to have that basic level of education in our our ritual in our symbols in our history and so that we can sort of assimilate it into our day-to-day living and i don't think we have done a very good job and I say we in the collective, I certainly include myself in this. It's not meant to be a criticism of any, any one person or any institution. I don't think we have done a tremendously good job in the last 20, 30, 40 years of connecting certain dots within masonry. In Maryland ritual, at least, I can't speak to too many other places. I, I haven't been able to be at degree work for a whole lot of other uh, lodges. But in Maryland, at least, in the first degree, we explained to brothers the the certain point within the circle and the two parallel lines. but. No one really comes along and tells you, you know what instruments you use to draw the parallel lines and the circle. It's those two that are there on top of the Holy Scripture. Those are those are the instruments you need to use to draw that, and here's why. And this is why we use this symbol. And I don't think we do a great job of, of connecting those dots. And so I think Masonic education is the key to that, to taking that next step and closing some of those gaps. I think the hope throughout history has been that men are going to watch these rituals and repeat them over and over again and sort of absorb it by osmosis. But in 2020, we're absorbing so much on a day-to-day basis. I mean, we're we're constantly bombarded by information that we're not going to just reflect and absorb on our own. We need something set aside to connect those dots a little bit more for us. And I think Masonic education is is the key to that. And it really struck me the most. I'm a, I'm a degree master for the 30th degree in the Valley of Baltimore, and I'm also the preceptor in that degree. So I'm sort of the, the head of the degree. And the preceptor at one point stands up to deliver a lecture about Hiram Abiff, and in the beginning he says, a masonry teaches philosophy by symbols as history teaches philosophy by example. And that really resonated with me 
because an example of, of history teaching philosophy is, you know, George Washington chops down the cherry tree and says, Father, I cannot tell a lie. It was me. And then, you know, George doesn't get a spanking. And so that's history, albeit a, a stretched history, but a history nonetheless of teaching you that telling the truth is the right way to go. Masonry teaches the similar lesson, but it does it through symbols instead. And, and I think that we don't do a good enough job of in lodge or in a setting with other brothers having that specific time to discuss that. We get worried about talking about the pancake supper or about who's going to buy the bicycle because the kids had perfect attendance at school or what are we going to do about this 60-year-old wood paneling? What color blue should we paint? We get wrapped up in those conversations in Lodge. And if we don't stop and actually talk about masonry, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And so I think uh, Masonic education is really the key to that. Maynard, I could not agree with you more at at a time in our history when uh, our country is in trouble in my opinion, for all kinds of reasons, which we won't go into, I see Freemasonry as a bright spot. But we as members have to put the effort into understanding and learning those lessons so that we go back out into the world, into our local communities, and apply them and have those lessons, by our example, rub off on other people. That has been in my opinion, really the strength of Freemasonry all along. We do charities, we do a lot of other things, but its primary purpose is making me a better person so that when I leave the lodge, I go out into that world and become a better example and by that, hopefully, to have a positive influence on the community around I had a discussion just the other night with a brother, a good friend of mine, Chris Randers Pearson, wonderful guy, and I think I helped raise him, if I'm not mistaken, but he called me and he said, I I wanted to discuss this with you because I I had an online conversation with somebody and I just wanted somebody to check me. And so his, the conversation he had was, how come lodges are not more engaged in doing things for the community in this time? How come lodges aren't writing checks? How come lodges aren't doing this, that, or the other thing for COVID relief or to help the folks who are, whose jobs have been displaced and things like that? And his answer was the right one, I think. And obviously, again, I speak for myself and not for anybody else. It's that masonry is not about what the lodge as a unit is going to do for the community. I mean, it's nice when lodges can do that. It's nice when a lodge has enough money to be able to give 500 bucks to the food bank or a thousand or whatever. Or it's nice when the lodge has a pancake supper that benefits the whatever charity happens to be available at that time. That's a nice thing. But that's not what masonry is. Masonry is about teaching the individual to act in a spirit of charity. It's about teaching that individual brother that it is his responsibility as a man and as a Mason to give of his time and of his treasure at that charitable level. And and whether that is he can write a check to the food bank for $500 or whether he goes there and volunteers, that part of it almost doesn't matter. It's that you're doing something for your community. It's that you're doing something to engage in an act of charity. To If we substitute the word love for charity, that you're engaging in an act of love for your community, for your home space. Masonry doesn't teach that, hey, get together with all these guys and we're going uh, to pay our dues. And if we've got some leftover cash, we're going to give it to the food bank. That's not what masonry teaches. We pay dues so we have a clubhouse and so we can keep the lights on. But honestly, if there was no clubhouse and we weren't paying the light bill and we didn't have dues to worry about, that would not not free us of the obligation of acting as charitable individuals. And so that's what masonry teaches. And so in this time, like you said, I think now more than ever, masonry is needed, but not in a lodge. Masonry is needed in the world 
as an idea and as a concept of going out and acting with faith, with hope, and, and acting with charity to all mankind, because that's where the rubber meets the road. Whenever I sit in the East, I say the same thing. Listen, nothing marvelous happens in this room. This is not where masonry lives. We come here to pay the bills, to eat green beans and, and roast beef every now and again, and to make new masons. That's all that happens here. Everything else with masonry happens out in the world, whether it's you're getting involved in your brother's lives and helping them out as friends and individuals, whether you're getting involved in charity, no matter what it is, masonry doesn't happen in the lodge. Masonry happens outside the lodge. And uh, I think that now more than ever, we need to embrace that idea within ourselves, each as individuals. To heck with what the whole lodge is doing. It's up to you as a mason to live those beliefs and act that way uh, because otherwise why did you do this why did why did you why did you go through these goofy rituals and everything if you weren't going to go in and live it out uh, and i think every man needs to ask him that self that especially in times like this maynard just such a great way to wrap up our podcast with those words we uh, are deeply indebted to you joining to us tonight really enjoyed it uh, glad to get to know you here virtually and sure enjoy your podcast. Why don't you give us one last plug for your podcast and we'll wrap it up. Sure. Well, thank you very much, brethren. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm truly humbled at the invitation. I really genuinely appreciate it. And uh, I hope that you guys will uh, check out my podcast, The Tyler's Place, available all over uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, I think if you ask Alexa, she'll play it for you as well. We've got some new things coming out. In fact, I started a process of ramping up production during the beginning of the COVID crisis. And I'm sitting on several things right now, waiting for a couple of cool things to happen. So uh, stay tuned in the next week or two. You're going to see a whole bunch of my podcasts coming out and uh, I hope you'll give them a listen. And uh, wherever you are, I, I hope that you will, uh, if you're a brother Mason, that you will get involved in something in your lodge, in your community and, and act that spirit because that's that's what we all need to do right now um, more than ever. So brethren, I, I really thank you for having me on. I can't thank you enough. And it's been a really special night for me. And on behalf of the hosts of Meet, Act, and Part, myself, Darren, Bill, and Todd, we wanted to thank you for spending part of your day with us. Our goal is simple. Here is to bring you interesting and topics uh, and guests around Freemasonry. And you can support our show on Patreon by visiting our website at meetactandpart.com. And until next time, brethren, may we meet, act, and part.